Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that today's message is one that is inspiring to us all and that speaks to the listener as well as to the speaker to bring glory to your name. May the stories in your word, the words of Jesus Christ, allow us to live lives that are worthy for the sacrifice you made for all of us. Welcome to Cross Discourse, where music, culture, and life are discussed across the media spectrum weekly to help you live a godly life. Cross Discourse, Christ is Culture. Role models. I wish I could tell you these kids looking up to the right ones, but it's quite obvious they not. A little girl, 16 years old, built like she a woman, 23, 24, shaped like a Coke bottle. So everywhere she go, the attention got her thinking what I do to get more. Look, she see the girls on TV Dancing in the videos, looking all easy Shaking like Beyonce, all in front of Jay-Z Now she saying if I do that, that could be me Young, but attractive to the eyes Cute face, slim waist, thick thighs Turning heads every time she walk by You would think Johnny Gill looking my, my, my and that make her feel great So she figured that she blessed with everything it takes She gon' bust open her body and make herself a name And be like Melissa Ford and skyrocket the fame Well, at least that what she thinking After buffing the body, you can't tell her that she can't Cause if you do try, first thing she gon' ask you is If I'm trippin', then explain Kim Kardashian and she mean what she say She don't see success coming to her any other way Cause Tila got a show and Karen wrote a book But what they both had in common is they had a certain look Yup, it's obvious sex sales Make them less earn a buck, blow up, do it well Mm-hmm, that's what the music biz teaching her 106 in Park, ain't nobody else reaching her See, she trying to mimic all the divas, dawg But the divas dress like they got a fever, dawg So no matter how they front in their interviews It's quite obvious they doing what pretenders do Lil homie, nothing more than a kid Influenced by the movies, rap stars and friends Like many of his peers, he trying to follow the trends And the trends say it's all about nice cars and ends as he look for a means to get cake, he decide he gon' try what the popular rappers say. Every other song that he hear is about dope jackpot. That's the route that he figured he need to go. Misguided, determined to move away, cause he see the love given to movies like Scarface. Not the slightest clue where coca leaves is grown. That's okay, he'll learn from his favorite rap songs. 
no direction, it's really a shame His only motive in life is to be Lil Wayne But Lil Wayne won't tell him he excelled in school He'd rather portray a thug cause the image is cool So, hear ye, hear ye, there he goes A lifelong mistake for a short-term goal And he claiming he a sluggy, but he ain't that bold But that's the same disguise that these rap stars show See, they quick to tell you all the guns they tow The money they made rain and the good they smoke How they run with goons and they strap with heat But did you know Plies the goon got a nursing degree? Look, people out the audience are 106 Then read the lyrics that we call hits Now, put two together and you see what you get An audience full of kids trying to be what they hear Now, now I ain't saying that parents don't play a part Cause honestly speaking, the parents is where it starts But see when these rappers tell these kids they should stay in school It's quite obvious they doing what pretenders do What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Anonymous, coming to you with another episode of Cross Discourse. That was Role Models. And listen to me, I have a very, very interesting and exciting kind of episode for you today. We are going to be talking about role models. How about that? How about that? Um, and the reason why uh, this conversation kind of... Um, or kind of came up this episode, I actually have an ex-girlfriend who I talked to a few years ago, uh, and it's remained in my mind for so many years, but she once mentioned some names that a friend of hers was going to name her children. They were like two boys' names. I forget the names specifically, but I remember thinking the name like, wow, those are kind of weird names. Why would you name your children that? And, you know, so it was kind of like I was casually making fun of the children's names but not really um because i don't really want to you know do that but it was just like oh that's kind of weird and i mentioned that i was like that's kind of weird where'd she get that from and she was like well she actually got both of their names from the bible just like your name and i was like what like for real so we actually cracked open the bible and we looked through the names and we found the names and uh, one of the names was actually the name of a priest. I do remember that like, oh, this guy's a priest. And then the other name I remember being some type of bad guy in the Bible. I can't remember exactly what the names were. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, so she's going to name her child after a hero of the Bible and she's going to name the other one after somebody that was evil right and she was like well she just likes those names she thought they was cool and you know that was kind of the end of the conversation before we kind of switched over to something else and i was thinking to myself like wow it's just interesting how you know our culture kind of uses these names within the bible um to name our children but we also have other people that just kind of like create names and you know we we kind of think it's cool and that's kind of Uh, I think it's unique to the African-American culture, but, you know, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, And that was kind of the impetus for this episode Uh, that just popped in my mind one day. But then I I had to flesh out this episode a little bit more. And I remember um, a story that uh, a really close friend of mine and I, um, I have a really good friend. His name is John. He's more like a big brother to me. Um, but we're extremely close and we discuss everything, just a lot of things, a lot of different issues, um, you know, whether it's regarding to marriage or, you know, anything like that. And usually when I'm having a rough time, he offers me biblical advice, 
But a lot of times there's stories that I might have re- remembered in the Bible, but he kind of harps on like one obscure or little piece of that story and it gives it a completely different perspective and I was like hmm you know and I actually reached out to him sometimes and like hey give me that bible verse I want to read it again and so that's where I got this idea of like forgotten gems of the bible or heroes in the bible or people in the bible that we really don't discuss and if you've been following me for a while you know that I've discussed the prayer of Jabez Uh, I actually uh, talked about uh, uh, the guy with the ox gold I forget his name um, Shamar with the ox gold and you know things like that and I really like these stories in the Bible because they really kind of help us to understand God's message and understand things within the Bible um, that kind of enriching God's word and enriching the story. Um, so we're familiar with a lot of Bible stories, right? You know, we know the tale of Moses. We, we talk about Jesus. We talk about David. We talk about, you know, Joshua. We talk about, you know, Esther. We talk about Mordecai. So we know all these people. And then we say, okay, um, you know, we're going to preach on those stories. And there a lot of times they, they become redundant or, or, you know, we know them so much that it's very hard to get, you know, something out of it. I remember I talk about my friend, you know, that we talk about things and we remember we talked about uh, the story of the prodigal son. Um, where he returns back to his father and, and to ask forgiveness and the father throws on the, the best robe and all that other stuff. And I remember one time in our discussion, he said, now, where do you see Jesus in this story? And I, I was quick to think about it. It's like, hey, you know, I, I look at Jesus as the fattened calf. Um, because it was sacrificed and it was, it was uh, a symbol of their reunification and all that other stuff. And he was he was like, yeah, you're right. You know, most people don't get that, you know. So that was a fresh take on the story of the prodigal son. But a lot of times there aren't really a lot of um, ways that we can rehash the same story over and over and over again. Um, and sometimes... The pieces in these stories, though, are missed. Sometimes we don't focus on them. And, you know, a lot of times these stories can add or enrich the story in general. And they help us to um, get a deeper insight. You know what I mean? Get a deeper insight into who God is and to how we should be living our lives as Christians within the Bible. And so I just looked up a couple of different stories in the Bible, um, and I wanted to mention them to you because I think they really, really do enrich our our lives uh, in in general. Um, And the first story that I want to mention, it comes from 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 32. And it's verses 24 through 32, and it's about Hezekiah. And I I really, I actually was reading it this morning, and I was like, whoa, I I missed that before. You know, I don't often go to the Old Testament as much as I need to, because there are stories within the Old Testament, I feel, specifically the Old Testament, that we hash over or that we kind of glaze over. You know, we'll get the, the 
moral of the story, but we won't look at the nuances within it and really pick up something. Um, so this story is about Hezekiah, and the reason why it was so bright in my mind is because when we think of Hezekiah, we usually think of him as this very righteous king um, who's the ideal follower of God. You know, he was amazing, right? And we ought to strive to be like him. But chapter 32, particularly these eight or nine verses here that we're about to read, um, shows that Hezekiah was human and he wasn't perfect because it says that he was, well, well let's just let's just get into the story, all right? In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord who answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was proud and he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah had very great wealth and honor, and he made treasuries for his silver and gold and for his precious stones, spices, shields, and all kinds of valuables. He also made buildings to store the harvest of grain, new wine, and olive oil, and he made stalls for various kinds of cattle and pens for the flocks. He built villages and acquired great numbers of flocks and herds, for God had given him very great riches. He, it was Hezekiah who blocked the upper outlet of the Gihon Spring and channeled the water down to the west side of the city of David. He succeeded in everything he undertook. But when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that had occurred in the land, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. The other events of Hezekiah's reign and his acts of devotion are written in the vision of the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, in the book of kings of Judah and Israel. Hezekiah rested with his ancestors and was buried on the hill where the tombs of David's descendants are. All Judah and the people of Jerusalem honored him when he died, and Manasseh, his son, succeeded him as king. So a couple things stood out to me and never really paid attention. You know, when you read that whole story, you, you talk, you really thinking about how great uh, Hezekiah was, you know, prior to that, he delivered them from the Assyrians. He, you know, he was very um, into God, in tune to God, really prayed. The people were all worshiping God. And when he asked for things or demanded things, they gave more than what they were supposed to. And you're just like, man, these are God's great people. This is a good time. But when you get down to 24, you know, it said that God gave him a miraculous sign. And then you get down to when the Babylonians want to know about that miraculous sign. It said God left him to test him, to know what was in his heart. Right. So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking about my life and you could think about your life. And, you know, when you're having these great times, you know, are there times where God is testing you to really see if. You know, your heart is on him or on other things, right? That's one thing that stood out to me. But another thing that stood out to me is this idea that after verse 24, it said that Hezekiah's heart was proud and he did not respond to the kindness shown to him. And then it said that God wrath was on him and Judah and Jerusalem. But peep the next verse as well. 
because it said that Hezekiah repented and the people of Jerusalem repented, but it doesn't mention Judah. What is that, right? You know, so there are like these diff all these nuances within this verse that I found really, really interesting. You know, it talks about more good things that Hezekiah did, um, even to the point where, um, you know, it says that Hezekiah succeeded in everything he undertook, right? But there are times where he is not doing God's will. He's being proud and it's, and it's all in his heart. And this is Old Testament where, you know, before, prior to Jesus coming, Jesus said that their hearts were hardened, right? So these are heart issues in the Old Testament here. Uh, which I find fascinating um, in general, which also proves, you know, the continuation of the Christian faith. And I just find so many interesting nuances here within this story. And I really would encourage you to read stories like that and find those bits and pieces within them that um, you might not otherwise kind of uh, pay attention to. Another story that I also find interesting, um, and let me preface this by saying, um, there are, you know, tons of women in the Bible who do great things, right? You know, I, I've always wanted to name my daughter name Naomi. Uh, I don't have a daughter, but I always love that name, Naomi, um, you know, based on that story of Naomi and Ruth and, and their, their journey together. And that's a story that we really talk about. Uh, but a lot of people talk about Boaz as the hero. And I look at those two as, um, as heroes as well. But uh, in Acts 12, we have another story. Peter, who is the early rock of the church, um, we talk, it, it, the book of Acts kind of deals with a lot of his escapades and how important he and the disciples were to the building of the early church. And when I get to um, verses 12 and 17 in Acts 12, we come upon a servant named Rhoda. And when I was doing the study, um, it actually uh, kind of uh, someone mentioned that not only is this just a servant, but it's a servant girl. So she might be uh, somewhere along the lines of a teenager. Uh, it, I don't think I don't see anything where it talks about her age, but maybe uh, it's historical knowledge or record or something of that nature. But we come to a servant named Rhoda. And let me just read 12 through 17. So this is following Paul's daring escape from a prison. And actually, it's not really daring because an angel basically wakes him up in the middle of the night, takes his chains off and um, the, well, actually, the chains fall off and the gate opens and they just kind of walk through. And then the servant, leave, the angel leaves Peter and he's just like he thinks it's a dream, but he, he, he comes to himself. And here we are here in verse 12. When this had dawned on him. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. 
So in this particular story, um, you know, I, you know, there's more to it. This is right before Herod is killed because Herod thinks he's God himself or he's being praised as God and he doesn't do anything about it. But uh, I look at these five or six verses. I, I always say five or six because 12 from 17 is five, but you have to read 12 and 17. So it'd be six, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, right? Six verses. But I always do that. I'm so sorry. That's just a side note. But going back to the story, you see Rhoda, right? And Rhoda is a servant girl or servant woman. We don't know how old she is. Um, but she comes back and she's speaking to these people. And these people are like, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. You're schizo. You're whatever, right? And then, but she keeps insisting here in verse 16. She is insistent to the point where they kind of changed their mind. Maybe it's his angel, right? It must be his angel. They've already think he's dead. But then Peter keeps knocking and he keeps making noise. And finally they saw him and they were astonished. So they did not believe her. And I think about stuff like that. And a lot of times people are, you know, I think of two things I think about. I think about this woman's testimony or this girl's testimony, right? She was gathered she was talking to people who were gathered about peter and she was telling them what was going on and they did not believe her um and it wasn't until the noise that peter himself made that they were able to believe her words two things uh, jump out to me here and the first thing is that this is a woman that uh is trying to spread the gospel and people aren't listening to her um now i'm not getting into the whole women pastor discussion thing um not saying that i'm for or against it right now um if you want to know you can email me because i do have an upcoming episode where we're going to be talking about issues uh that um i feel um you know convicted about but uh there are many times that uh we we don't see a lot of women doing things within the bible there are a couple people people mention anna the prophet tess um, you know, we mentioned the aforementioned Esther and Ruth and Naomi and things like that. But the, a lot of women don't get there. They're just due in the Bible. And uh, this this servant, Rhoda, uh, is mentioned in the Bible. And there's something about the fact that she was mentioned here uh, that stands out to me. But it also reminds me that, you know, when you read a story, sometimes, you know, you don't understand that you know, you might be, your purpose in life could be to proclaim the gospel or proclaim the word or proclaim what God wants you to do. And it might fall on deaf ears. But you know what? A lot of times people are going to get it because eventually they will hear the noise themselves and understand that what you were saying all along was true. And that's what I got from this story. And I never really paid attention to that story before in the past i'm going to give you another one uh, because i'm running out of time i'm i'm kind of a little bit past 20 minutes here but i'm going to mention the story of joel now joel is uh what we consider a minor prophet. i'm my name is actually a minor prophet i'm not going to tell you what it is but one of the things that is really interesting here is that uh, I always was offended when you called them minor prophets. And in case you don't know, listener, we only refer to them as minor prophets because their stories are short. Um, they're not as long as like the other prophets who are nicknamed the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. Um, but you have these small Bible verses. And because they are small, a lot of times, a lot of pastors and preachers might not preach about the whole thing. They might 
preach something like a couple verses that are in them. Um, but we go to the book of Joel and I've never heard, and, and this is just a caveat or not a caveat. This is just a tidbit. You know, I've been in church most of my life and I have never heard a story from the book or the book of Joel mentioned in a sermon. Never, not once. I, I, I've been to tons of different types of churches too. You know, Pentecostal, uh, Apostolic, uh, Baptist, Methodist. I've been to a lot of different church, AME, um, non-denominational. And no one uh, has mentioned or uh, preached from the book of Joel. And it's interesting because it is an extremely short book, uh, but it reads differently when you first notice it. Um, I know when I first read it, uh, it, it read differently because it's seemingly a story of destruction. And you have to wonder what in the world Joel is going on about, right? And many times in church, especially nowadays, we hear uh, about God as a God of peace and a God of love. Uh, but you have to wonder when you read the Bible, why are there so many instances or stories of destruction and pain as well? And so uh, Joel only has... Um, a few verses, I think it's like 20 in, in general. Um, and he starts out by talking about an invasion of locusts. And I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. The word of the Lord came to the son, came to Joel, son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine. Wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land, a mighty army without number. It has the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the betrothed of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning, those who minister before the Lord. The fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The olive oil fails. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up and the fig tree has withered. The pomegranate and the palm and the apple tree. All the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the people's joy is withered away. Put on sackcloth, you priest, and mourn. Well, you who minister before the author, come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. For the grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of your Lord, your God, and cry out to the Lord. Alas, for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Has not the food been cut off before your very eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seeds are shriveled beneath the clods. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down, for the grain has dried up. How the cattle moan. The herds mill about because they have no pasture. Even flocks of sheep are suffering. To you, Lord, I call. 
your fire, for fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Even the wild animals pant for you. The streams of water have dried up and fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness. Man, that was deep. And I think about it and I, I wonder like, why is he talking about locusts? And then not only does he talk about locusts, he talks about different locusts, the great locusts, the young locusts, the, the other locusts, right? And then he says to tell it to your children, your children's children, your children's children's children, right? And then the next generation, he keeps going on and on. You know, um, he's talking about the end of the world and he's begging people, begging people to moan and to cry out for God. Because not only should they cry out, but the animals are crying out. I'm like, wow, you know, he's talking about despair. He's talking about, you know, getting yourself together uh, and getting right. But not only that, he's mentioning farmers or the workers. He's mentioning the priests. He's mentioning everybody. Um, and uh, it's just interesting. Like, it's just interesting to me. There's a lot of tidbits in here that I can't go on. Uh, with because I am close to the end of this episode. But the point is, there are plenty of heroes. There are plenty of role models in the Bible for us to pull from and to use. Um, and there aren't just those stories that you're used to hearing about or reading about in church. That was the point of this. So, my friends, there are forgotten gems in the Bible. I highly encourage you to read your Bible in different ways. Uh, go to different scriptures that you might not uh, normally read and just see what you can glean from it. Uh, my friends, that is my time. I just want you to know that I love you and God loves you. And the Bible, every inch of it is useful for teaching and reproof. Um, if you have any questions, any thoughts, anything that you want to share with me, any stories that you find useful, please email me at crossdiscourse at gmail.com. I am anonymous, and I look forward to hearing from you another time. Peace. Oh.